Hello, I'm Emily Little, and today I'm joined by Mr Patrick Spottiswood, founding director of Globe Education, part of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. Mr Spottiswood read English and Theatre Studies at Warwick from 1978 to 81, and in 1984 he took a year off from working for his PhD to join Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, taking charge of its educational base, and has remained there ever since. In 1989 he became the founding director of Globe Education and in this capacity went on to set up a huge range of educational activities both in South London and internationally. Patrick Spottiswood has changed the way Shakespeare is taught, establishing the concept that practical workshop-based activity is the most effective way of engaging young people with Shakespeare. Globe Education provides lectures, workshops, courses and productions for over a 100,000 at the Globe every year and for many more through outreach and distance learning. It has worked with primary schools in Southwark, run postgraduate programmes with King's College London and collaborated in teaching and research projects from New Zealand. Since 2007, Globe Education has created annual professional productions for over 30,000 young people who get free tickets. In parallel with his education work, Patrick Spottiswood, in 1995, initiated a major project to stage readings and record all surviving plays by Shakespeare's contemporaries. This year, Globe Education has opened a new dedicated building close to the Globe Theatre, which houses workshop spaces and rooms expanding the ability of the team to educate even more children in stunning surroundings. As a university with particular expertise in the study of Shakespeare and his contemporaries, Warwick is proud to count Patrick Spottiswood among its alumni. Today he receives an honorary Doctor of Letters. Well, welcome to the University of Warwick, uh, Mr Spottiswood, and congratulations on receiving your honorary degree today. What does receiving this honour mean to you? Well, it means a huge amount to me because uh, I've been working at the Globe for 28 years now, and in fact I interrupted my PhD that I was undertaking at Warwick to go to the Globe. I actually was going to go there for one year, and I never finished the PhD thereafter. So I, I feel a bit of a fraud, really. Uh, but uh, it's lovely to actually be acknowledged in this way for the work one's trying to do in, in Shakespeare and education. So, yes, it means a huge amount. Tell me what you did here at Warwick. I studied English and theatre studies as an undergraduate, and then I took an MA in English and European Renaissance drama. Uh, and then I stayed on to start my PhD and uh, was about two years into it. And I think I realised then that I wasn't cut out for the world of academe, and a friend said, well, I think you should look for a job, you know, look for a job, but just have a break. So I found this job advertised in The Guardian on a Monday, as you do, uh, applied, got it. And I just was planning to stay for a, a year and then come back to my PhD, but I never did. I suddenly found my niche, a home, and it I was very fortunate. It's been my kind of life's work. What was your memories of the campus and, and what was it like when you were here? <laughs> it's very clean now. It's very smart. I mean, you know, everything from Costa Coffees to to elegant, you know, sculptures and statues. The whole place, it seems, just so much more sophisticated, elegant, smart, professional, maybe. Um, I think it was very professional then, but, but it, it, I don't know, maybe it's the weather's nice, isn't it? but today and I just remember windswept Warwick <laughs> um, and the facilities now I mean you know I, I'm in the arts and to have this concert hall it's just remarkable 
So I, I envy all the students who are coming here now who, who have just some of the finest facilities in the land. It was also not very difficult to get into Warwick when I came, I have to say. Uh, I got my A-levels, but I understand now, you know, it's very, very tough to get in. Uh, people are academically very brilliant before they start. Uh, so I'm in, in, in awe of the student body. Yeah, it's changed. I mean, I can still, you know, the library's still there, the sports pavilion's still there, you know. There still seem to be loads of bars around the place, so that, that hasn't changed. Uh, no, just very much more sophisticated. And what drew you to Shakespeare in the first place? This university, actually. I'd studied Shakespeare at school, I'd been in the school play, but I really it was coming here, I think my eyes were open to A, the power of theatre as a force for change. And also, uh, I, was, I had brilliant tutors, absolutely brilliant teachers, and they almost taught me how to read plays of the, of the early modern period. Open my eyes, not only to Shakespeare, I'm passionate about Shakespeare's contemporaries. You know, that was a closed book. I mean, I'd sort of heard of Ben Jonson when I got here, uh, but no one else, and I did courses which really opened up that whole world for me. So, yeah, I became an absolute devotee of the period and of the plays of the period. So, so as you mentioned, you went to work at the, the Globe Theatre. What, what kind of experience was that for a, a young man just, you know, deciding to leave his PhD and, and take that on? Yes, well, of course, when I started in 1984, there was no Globe Theatre. I mean, the Globe didn't open until 1997, and I joined... Well, there were three of us, and, and the founder, Sam Wanamaker, and a leaky Victorian warehouse, and we were proclaiming to the world that this was going to be the International Shakespeare Globe Centre. Uh, uh, the chutzpah of Sam was remarkable. But I loved it because it was putting my passion into immediate practice and I was immediately charged with not only developing uh, an education programme but also uh, performances in this little building. So uh, it was the ideal job. I think I think the title was uh, Knowledge of Elizabethan Theatre and Advantage, Administrative Experience Not Essential. Well, enter Spottiswood, that was just perfect for me. And I was just very passionate about about the period, about Shakespeare. Um, but in 1984, the Globe, you know, was an idea, but there were a, a lot of scepticism. Hardly anyone thought it would ever happen. And, of course, it did take 13 years before it did eventually open. And, we ha and sadly, you know, our founder, Sam Wanamaker, never lived to see it. But, yeah, bizarre, just three people in a leaky building. I mean, you obviously have seen that progression from Sam's idea yes. right through to the building of the recreation of the Globe Theatre and and then having all these people coming year after year to stand and sit and experience Shakespeare as it should really be seen and performed. Well, I don't know about as it should be, but it's certainly a nice way and a different way of experiencing Shakespeare. The, the Globe continues to develop, so you know we've just opened a new education centre, which in the very building, that leaky warehouse is now quite a smart, <laughs> watertight building, and where we can work, we work with over 100,000 students a year in workshops and, and things. Uh, we're now going to build an indoor Jacobean theatre, rather like Warwick, where it's called Expansion, I suppose. And then we're going to have a, a phenomenal library. So, yes, it's, it's been a tremendous privilege and a wonderful uh, joy to, to see this, this which was, it was a parking lot, really, uh, and then become a building site, and now become a thriving centre for Shakespearean performance. Uh, I'm very lucky. So go back to the basics. Why should children, primary school children be learning Shakespeare? Yeah, it's a good question. I, for me, I always say that the answer lies in the letter that 
Shakespeare's two fellow actors, John Hemmings and Henry Condell, wrote to the reader uh, in the first folio of Shakespeare's plays, the first time the plays were gathered together in one volume in 1623, the two actors who gathered them together wrote, prefaced it with a, a letter to the great variety of readers, from the most able to him that can but spell. And in it, they described how Shakespeare's mind and hand went together. I think that's really beautiful, the intellectual and the practical. Is it that combination that Shakespeare gives us? But they said he was a, a most happy imitator of nature and a most gentle expressor of it. So he was the great observer of, of mankind, and he could depict and present social, psychological, political situations. He could stage them. So it was in terms of his observance. But then he was the most gentle expressor of it. I think he, he was just incredibly eloquent, and I think that young people, if they taste the language and play with it, can also develop their eloquence and their eloquence of thought. Um, and Shakespeare just asks us questions. He never gives us any answers. Oh, that he would. <laughs> we could all pack up and go home. But no, he just keeps on asking questions. And I think that symbolically the stage in the Globe Theatre, it's not a proscenium march. We don't confront this spectacle uh, passively and, and observe this great work of art. We participate in it. The stage is thrust out into the midst of the audience, of the crowd, and it just thrusts out questions. And we consider it, literally consider it from every side, and we observe other people considering these plays from different viewpoints and vantage points. So, yeah, I think he teaches us both how to observe and I think he encourages eloquence, which are two good reasons. And do you think he's still kind of relevant in this kind of digital age where everyone's experiencing this 3D cinema and on all the computer games to actually still experience these plays and have some relevancy to the children's lives? Well, yes, I think it is. I think if we were sitting here in the 1680s, you would have asked the same question. And in the 1820s, you know, each generation remakes, refashions uh, Shakespeare. He's incredibly malleable because at the heart of it are these remarkable stories, these remarkable situations, beautifully expressed. Um, the language empowers, uh, and I think you know, any actor worth their salt will say that somehow Shakespeare, you know, and young children, you know, who probably don't have much conversation at home, they, they take this language on and, and they just, they blossom in front of you. They grow. So I do think it has relevance. It's just going to change with the digital age, but at the heart it, it will stay. And um, you were also appointed in 2009 as president of the Shakespeare Club, the <laughs> oldest Shakespeare yes. society in the world. I mean, that must have been a great honour considering you have dedicated your life to well, Shakespeare. It was, and, but really it was when I looked at, at the past presidents, it was this who's who. And I got up at the beginning of my presidential address and I said, next year's president is going to look at me and go, who? <laughs> Because there were all these illustrious actors and scholars, people who I worshipped and revered. So then to be asked, it was very, very... T I was incredibly touched, very, very honoured about that. It is a one for in Stratford-upon-Avon. Of course, I work in London, but, but uh, no, it was a, it was a, it was a great honour and a delight. And what did you get out of the year? It's pretty, pretty low-key, I have to say, that you give the presidential address. I attended a couple of lectures. I was caught up in the uh, Icelandic uh, the volcano storms. I was stuck in America because one of my uh, responsibilities was to unfurl the flag on the Shakespeare march, you know, on Shakespeare's day in Stratford. But I missed that, so I, I'm surprised. You know, they probably won't write to me ever again because I missed the key thing. It wasn't my fault. So, no, it was... 
it was but again part of that tradition really which was was very touching and you say you've got this new home this new base for the globe education um how important is that i've had a look at some pictures on on the website and the spaces look fantastic well come on you're worried look i've seen around the spaces here they're incredible here and the size and the number of them absolutely got space envy <laughs> we are a very small footprint of us of, of a building we have in in london uh but it's one they're wonderful they are they're, they're, they're beautiful spaces we've got four workshop studios in that particular building we've got another three on the main site and then we have a rehearsal studio and we have a cafe um no it's it, we're all about the globe is all about how architecture creates a special relationship between actor and audience and yet we've really been running our workshops in broom cupboards, which is, you know, kind of defeats the object when you're trying to teach about the importance of space. So now we have these beautiful spaces and our practitioners who we train up to work with young people uh, have got lovely rooms to work in. And it really helps the work. It lifts it. It's also going to give us a kind of centre for exploration. And I think we're going to be able to develop a lot more, a variety of, of programmes for families, for younger children. I'm also keen to do a programme called Silver Tongue Shakespeare for the retired. And we have an annual Shakespeare production where 400 young children from Southwark put on a Shakespeare play. And they might put on King Lear, so these little ones put on King Lear. So why not, can't we have 400 retirees putting on Romeo and Juliet on that same stage? So those are the kind of things this will allow us to do, to keep Shakespeare sort of open to all. You know, we are an open house. And, and Sam was passionate about the importance of Shakespeare in the community absolutely absolutely passionate that there should be no barriers to Shakespeare of any kind financial psychological and that's our role in globe education is really to knock down those walls that might prevent people from wanting to taste it you know walk in work in look into this theater and experience these plays that are they're just they're, they're gold mines of experience so what uh, advice finally would you give to your fellow graduates today they probably don't need it because they're so bright, you see. I needed all the advice I could get. I think be bold. Uh, and the job market is tough, isn't it? And and if a graduate wants to pursue a particular career, I think oftentimes they'll write a letter asking for a job. Oftentimes I get letters, dear sir slash madam. And the last thing I want to do when I come in in the morning is to question my own gender. So if you're going to write to someone, obviously find out the name. But I, I think be bold and say, look, I'm, I'm wanting to explore a career in this area. I admire your work. Could you give me 15 minutes of your time uh, and give me some advice? Now, if somebody writes that letter to me, gosh, I hope we're going to have thousands of people doing that now. But if someone writes that letter to me, I have to be a pretty hard man, you know, to say, oh, why should I waste my time? I mean, actually, it's sort of flattering me that, what do you mean? I have experience that I can share. It's not threatening. They're not asking for a job. But what they do is get into my office. And then they have the one-to-one. -one. And then uh, if I like them and I think that and we spark off, I might say, well, of course, I don't have a job. But I'll keep you in mind. But why don't you go to Snooks at the other theatre? I know them. I'll give them a call. And, you know, it's that. I think be bold. I think I, think I was very timid, very scared of the big wide world. But I think those of us who've reached a certain age just want to help. And we can just about remember what it was like. It's getting more difficult. <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, I think most people are quite generous with their time. Um, especially if you ask. Just say, just 15 minutes, if I could just ask a question or two. I think that's... So yeah, be bold, brave and resolute.
Great advice. Great <laughs> advice. Thank you very much for speaking with me today, mm. Mr. Spottiswood. No, and once again, you. congratulations on your oh. honorary degree at Warwick. Oh, thank you. I'm very, very touched, really.